Am I on here? There we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, tomorrow's my birthday, and it's Abraham Lincoln's birthday. And, you know, when I was a kid, I remember um, growing up knowing that I was born on Lincoln's birthday, and I didn't know anything about him except for he was the president of the United States at one time, long, long, long time ago, right? And so he was my hero. I mean, it was just like a natural thing. He was my hero, and I didn't really know what a hero he was. And, oh, my goodness. And, you know, I, I've been studying about him um, for this message, actually, and I found out that all around the world he is a hero. I mean, people will go and travel the world, and they will go to some memorial of Abraham Lincoln. They will go to some monument where they're recognizing this wonderful man that was a president of the United States. And all he did, not just to free the slaves, um, in America, but what he did and what he stood for. And um, people recognize that all over the world. So he definitely is a hero worth being a hero for, you know, in many ways. But um, <clears throat> I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. And, of course, it's Valentine's Day also this week. So it's kind of like double duty, um, today for me, but if you would turn in, um, in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 13, and when you have that, would you stand? 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. I'm not going to read the whole chapter here, but I will read um, a good part of it. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And verse 8 says, love never fails. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reminder again of what your amazing love is and how we should live a life of love. And Lord, I thank you that you are um, you are so direct when it comes to instructing us on how to live. And yet, you show us how much you love us unconditionally, Lord. And Lord, I pray today as we Hear the words that you have given me to speak, Lord. And I'm saying we because I'm hearing these as well. I'm preaching myself as well this morning. Help us to open up our hearts and receive everything that you have for us. And to realize how precious you are. And you love us so much. We just thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 
So how do we live a life of love? In this world, and of course it depends on you know the family that you were raised a lot of times, sometimes it can be pretty difficult. Do you know that the people that you love the most are the ones that can hurt you the most? And they can be hard to love. Because when you love so much, you are affected by how other people treat you. And so when we give back in the way that um, we should be loved, we're giving other people, excuse me here, we're giving other people what they deserve. And as we look at um, 1 Corinthians 13, especially in verse, verse 4, it says love is patient. Are we being patient? Are we being a patient person? Are we being kind are we not envying or boasting? Are we not being proud? Are we honoring others? And it says, it is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrong. Do you hear that? Well, you know, what you did 20 years ago, <laughs> right, keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Never gives up. Love never fails. I have this book that I actually got on my birthday. Let's see. Just a minute. Okay, this, it's called A Heart That Yearned for God. Okay? This is a book I got on my birthday. Actually, I got it from a person that we share the same birthday, and it wasn't Abraham Lincoln. It was somebody else. But this book is about Abraham Lincoln. Okay? And there are some things on here. I want to read some quotes from Abraham Lincoln. And, of course, it says... A heart that yearned for God, that was Abraham Lincoln, his life and his faith. He prays a prayer, O thou God, that heard Solomon in the night when he prayed for wisdom, hear me, I cannot guide the affairs of this nation without thy help. I am poor and weak and sinful. O God, who does hear Solomon when he cried for wisdom, hear me and save this nation? That was a prayer he prayed. That's amazing. It says, intelligence, patriotism, Christianity, and a firm reliance on him who has never yet forsaken this favored land are still competent to adjust in the best way all our present difficulties. That is a quote by Abraham Lincoln. Then I now see as never before the preciousness of God's love in Jesus Christ and how we are brought near to God as our father by him. So you knew that he was a man after God's heart. He yearned for God. And he saw God in everything, every part of his life. Another quote. um, Let's see here. Abraham Lincoln says, To sin by silence 
when they should protest, makes cowards of men. To sin by silence when they should protest makes cowards of men. That was a quote by Abraham Lincoln. That one like gets you, doesn't it? Like, wow. So Abraham Lincoln grew up learning about God and his word. His mom really taught him about the Bible and taught him at home and taught him how to love God and how to serve God and how, you know, reading his word and how important the word of God was. My computer here is really sensitive and I keep losing my place. I'm sorry. Um, He had a godly mom and Abraham Lincoln's mom died when he was nine years old. And even at that young age, those impressionable years that a mom poured into her son um, carried him through his entire life, gave him the firm foundation to stand on Christ throughout his life. I mean, he obviously grew in that and matured and everything else, but she gave him that solid foundation. So moms out there, even grandmas out there, that as I am taking care of my granddaughter, Um, I realize the importance and the um, time that I have with her can carry her on, can carry our kids on through their life. What we do to invest in our kids really does make a difference, even if it's for just a short time. So I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to read some um, excerpts from this book. And when I started reading this book, I'll tell you, I was just overwhelmed, I will say, with a sense of the presence of God that was um, the anointing that was upon this book. And I was overwhelmed in a way, and as I read some of these things, you'll know why, because you'll, I, I imagine that you'll feel it too. But the sense that Abraham Lincoln was a man that stood for righteousness, and he grew in his relationship with God, and the foundation that his mom gave him is really what carried him through. But he impacted so many people, even um, people around the world that he never met. But people, when you're going about your daily life and you run into somebody that you never thought you know, you would make a difference in their life, and all of a sudden you do, it just revealed to me how important what we do today is and how much we can impact somebody else's life. Because this is the story of Abraham Lincoln. This is what happened. Um, let's see here. It says, He, along with a young man, young man with him, saw Negroes chained, maltreated, whipped, and scour- scourged. In their rambles, they came upon a slave auction where a fine mulatto girl was being pinched and prodded and trotted up and down the room like a horse to show how she moved, that bidders might satisfy themselves, as the auctioneer said, of the soundness of the article he sold. He saw a mother sold to one bidder and her child to another. Lincoln left the auction with a bleeding heart, with iron in his soul, and a resolution that his quotes, if I ever get a chance to hit that thing, I'll hit it hard. He was a young man, and what he saw, these slaves being treated the way they were, 
You don't think that affected him into what we know about him today? You know, it's amazing. 1 John 2, 5 says, If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And in 1 John 4, 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Abraham Lincoln was known as Honest Abe. You remember that? Hearing about that, but you know why? Okay, I'll, I'll, a couple of stories. One story was he he owned a, a store. He ran a store, and he realized that he had overcharged one of his customers. Just an honest mistake. Well, for him, he ended up walking three miles to go and pay this customer what was due him because he had overcharged him. Another story, he was... Um, in his store, he was giving, he was selling tea, and he had measured it out, and it was a pound of tea, and he had, you know, given the customer the tea. The next morning, he came back, and he noticed in the scale where the tea was um, weighed, there was a quarter pound of tea left in the scale. And he thought, oh, my goodness, I cheated this guy. So what does he do? He, he closes the store, and he goes and he takes that customer, the rest of that tea. And you know, those, those, you think about simple things, but they were big things. They were profound. They made him have a reputation of being honest Abe that we know today. And you know, if those things he did that we know about, what did he do that we don't know about? You know, he made a difference in just those everyday things. When you do the right thing, when you don't cheat somebody, even though he could have just walked away and thought, well, they'll never notice, right? But he didn't do that. He made it right. And here's another um, excerpt that I want to read. is talking about his maturing in the faith. And um, in here it's titled, What Constitutes a True Religious Experience? A lady who is a member of the Christian Commission in discharging her duties has several interviews with Mr. Lincoln. The president, being much impressed with her devotion and earnestness, said to her, Mrs., I have formed a high opinion of your Christian character, and now we are alone. I have a mind to ask you to give me, in brief, your idea of what constitutes a true religious experience. And of course, as I'm reading this, you'll understand it. This, you know, was a long time ago how they talked, so it's kind of a neat remembrance here. The lady replied in her judgment, It consists of a conviction of one's own sinfulness and weakness and personal need of the Savior for strength and support that views of mere doctrine might and would differ, but when one was really brought to feel his need of divine help and to seek the aid of the Holy Spirit for strength and guidance. It was satisfactory evidence of his having been born again. So she's explaining way back then what it really means to be born again. When she had concluded, President Lincoln was very thoughtful for a few minutes. He at length said very earnestly, If what you have told me is really a correct view of this great subject, I can 
I think I can say with sincerity that I hope I am a Christian. I had lived until my boy Willie died without realizing fully these things. That blow overwhelmed me, and it showed me my weakness as I had never felt it before. And if I say that I know something of that change of which you speak, and I will further add that it was, excuse me, that it has been my intention for some time as a suitable opportunity to make a public religious profession. So, I mean, this thoughtful president is thinking about salvation and his weakness, his loss, and his gain. And yet he wants to make a public confession of his relationship with Jesus. That's pretty amazing. There was a soldier, his name is William Scott. He fell asleep at his post. He said one night um, he, he was at the post because there was a sick friend, and so he decided to um, take his duty, and the next day it was his duty. So two nights in a row he had to stay awake. Well, because of that, he ended up falling asleep. Well, because he fell asleep, he actually was brought to trial and court-martialed. And the verdict was that the next day he was going to be shot. If you can imagine, for falling asleep. Well, Abraham Lincoln heard about this from his father, who begged for mercy, right, as any good father. And he thought Scott's life, William Scott's life, was valuable. So he wanted to go see and meet this young man, find out what the real story was. So he went to see him, and Abraham Lincoln asked him about his family, asked him what had happened, you know. And because Abraham had uh, lost his mom, he asked him about his mom and about his relationship with his mom. And, and um, William Scott's words were, The president was the kindest man I had ever seen. You know. So then he said, the president said to him, but there is a debt that you owe. And that debt is, it cost a lot of money for me to come and see you. And he said, you couldn't possibly, nobody can possibly pay that debt because it was so much. So what are you going to do to pay that debt? Because you aren't going to meet the, the firing squad tomorrow. I'm going to let you free, be free. I'm, you know, I'm here to... Um, basically saved you because this isn't worthy of death. And he says, because your life is valuable. But what are you going to do to pay me back? And he thought, and he thought, and he thought, well, I could basically, you know, sell the family farm, so to speak, and do everything. He says, but there is nothing, nothing you can do to pay me back except for one thing. He said, you keep your promise to um, obey the flag, or honor your country, and honor your mama. Make her proud. If you can do that, your debt is paid. And so he said, Mr. President, I promise, with all God's help, I will do that. I will serve this country faithfully with God's help, and I will honor my mom, my mama.
So then there was a battle that happened, and this soldier, William Scott, was in that battle. And he, with his comrades, they went to fight this battle. And it was a bloody, bloody battle. And he was actually shot six times. But while he was shot, he carried his comrades to safety. He saved, he rescued many, many of his comrades in the midst of him being shot. So he wasn't killed that night, but the next morning, the comrades that were with him, he, he wanted to talk to him, and he said, come here, and he was dying, and he says, I want you to tell the president something. He said, if you ever see the president, tell him this. I have never forgotten your kind words to me. I have tried to be a good soldier and true to the flag. I want you to know. He says, and then he told the comrades this. He said, he gave me the chance to fall as a soldier in battle and not like a coward at the hands of my comrades. That's what Abraham Lincoln had done. And then one soldier said, now I know how a brave man dies. I think of this story. I mean, it's an incredible story. And many times we don't hear about these stories, you know, but it's really an incredible story. President Lincoln had rescued this soldier that was going to be put, put to death and then makes him promise, right, that he will honor his mama. I love that part. <laughs> but that he will honor this country, and he promised to do that, and he did. And he inspired the other soldiers of his, his uh, way of rescuing them, but also his way of dying. He showed them how to live, and he showed them how to die, being a brave and courageous soldier. The example that he gave to these soldiers was just incredible. You know, we may be treated really unfairly like this soldier I don't think any of us are, are facing or thinking we're going to face the firing squad. But sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? Okay, we face accusations because we're standing for the Lord. We're trying to do the right thing. This, this soldier was trying to do the right thing. He was, you know, standing for his comrade and that was sick. And he just, you know, you can only do what you can do. And in the midst of that, and he was persecuted, but then he was rescued. And we think about all the, the ways that we are mistreated, and we think this is persecution. We don't know what persecution is, but we do know that we have a Savior. We have somebody that has already paid the price for us to be rescued. He'll always be with us. He'll redeem us. See, President Lincoln stepped in and rescued William Scott from death. Jesus stepped, has stepped in and rescued each one of us. With God's help, we do our best to live a life of love. Just like that soldier. Can we promise, with God's help, we will do the best to live a life of love? And as we do that, we're doing that because of what Jesus did for us. We owe him this much to live the best we can, to live the life of love that we can says, do we show others how to live for Christ in the face of persecution? You know, it's interesting. You, you have situations, and we certainly have, 
where um, you know most of you know our story about our son in the hospital. But when we were in the hospital, and we were a family, and we had many people coming and praying for us and our son as we were going through that, we had the Lord going through that with us. And people watched us. People noticed. People saw how we were dealing with um, this traumatic circumstance um, with God. And so many people don't have God. So many people don't have a family. And we were, were living a life of love in that situation where we didn't have any answers. Um, why did this happen? You know, you have all those questions, thinking about things that happened in your life. Why is this happening right now? But when we have the Lord to walk through life with, we can make a difference. We allow God to shine through us, love other people through us. We had many, many opportunities to um, pray with people in the midst of our pain, to show other people love and concern in the midst of our need. And yet when we do that, we are such an example to other people of how it is to live a Christian life. Through the good times and the bad times, people are watching People need to see an example of a life lived in love in that kind of way because there's so much cruelty and um, so much evil that is happening in the world. And when people don't have the Lord, well, there's a, uh, we just heard just recently of a young man committing suicide. And it's like somebody said there is a um, pandemic of suicide. It's like, what does that mean? You know, and it's because there's such hopelessness in the world that that's the only way out for some of these people. They need to see somebody walking through these circumstances with hope and love because they don't know where to go. And what a difference we can give them just, you know, watching somebody walk through this, offering that to them. Um, John fifteen thirteen says, and I love this scripture, says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. That's what this soldier did. That's what Abraham Lincoln did. And that's what Jesus did for us. How can we not live for that? Live in that kind of way to lay down our lives. And we're not even facing death. But we can lay down our lives for other people. Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address was March 4th, 1865. And these are words that many of us have read or heard. And if you haven't, I'm going to read it slow so you can really hear it and hear the gravity. This happened not too long after this this, um, salvation experience where you know, Abraham was declaring himself a Christian where he was saying, yes, you know, maybe um, I've, I've known about the Lord, but now I really know him like Job. I think that's what he was saying. My mama taught me all about him, but now I know him. This was not too long after that. And this address was stated by many people um, all over the world as being one of the most um, spiritual, religious, as well as... Um, uh, uh, prominent document, I guess, of the day, and even t- today, still today, that there ever was. 
And it's interesting because, as my husband alluded to earlier, it's, it's, you know, people don't want politics in the pulpit. But yet, what he did, what Abraham Lincoln did in our founding fathers, is he brought the pulpit into politics. And this is one example. This was the last paragraph of this address. It says, with malice towards none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God sees us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for the widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. And as he did this, and he put his hand on that Bible, and the, um, the, the man was, that was there with him, it says he kissed the pages of the Bible because it was such a remarkable um, um, inaugural address and that the scripture that, what, and I'm just reading the last paragraph, but there was scripture throughout of Abraham Lincoln honoring, Abraham Lincoln honoring God as he was going to serve this country, relying on the, the presence and the power and the wisdom of God. That was the only way he could, um, he could serve this country and lead this country. I want to read another excerpt here. Um, So this is after the inaugural address. Okay, it says, At 5 o'clock on Sunday morning, April 2nd, okay, the inaugural address was in March, um, hundreds of Union guns opened fire on Petersburg defenses. Point after point gave way as Lee's, Lee's resistance crumbled. That morning, President Jefferson, excuse me, that morning, President Jefferson Davis sat in his pew at St. Paul's Church in Richmond, devout as usual, but as the clergyman was delivering the sermon, an official messenger came down the aisle and handed him a message. After reading the message from General Lee, saying the armies were evacuating Petersburg and Richmond, David, excuse me, Davis hurriedly followed the messenger out of the church, met with his cabinet, gave last-minute orders, and before eventide, the president and nearly all high-ranking officials of the Confederacy were in flight. So you get the scene of what's happening here. That day, Lee's army set fire to the cotton and tobacco warehouses, scuttled gunboats along the riverfront, burned factories, mills, and arsenals, and that night slipped off toward the southwest while towering flames roared high in the darkness. The next morning at the city hall, General Godfrey Weitzel's, Weitzel received the surrender of Richland, Richmond, and by mid-afternoon, order was restored. That same day, Lincoln boarded the River Queen and returned to City Point. Thank God, he said, that I have lived to see this. It seems to me that I have been dreaming a horrible dream for four years, and now the nightmare is gone. I want to see Richmond. Then Admiral Porter was an escort of ten seamen 
with an escort of 10 seamen, took President up the river into Richmond. He says that on landing, they, they saw some 12 Negroes digging with spades. The leader of them was an old man, 60 years of age. He raised himself to the upright position, put his hands up to his eyes, then dropped his spade and sprang forward. Bless the Lord, he said. There is the great Messiah. I know him as soon as I see him. He's been in my heart for long years, and he comes at last to free his chillins from their bondage. Glory, hallelujah. And he fell upon the knees before the president and kissed his feet. The others followed his example, and in a minute, Mr. Lincoln was surrounded by these people who had treasured up the recollection of him, caught from a photograph, and had looked to him for four years as one who would lead them out of captivity. Mr. Lincoln looked down at the poor creatures at his feet, and being embarrassed, said, if you can imagine, don't kneel to me, that is not right. You must kneel to God only and thank him for the liberty you will hereafter enjoy. I am but God's God's humble instrument, but you must rest assured that as long as I live, no one shall put a shackle on your limbs, and you shall have all the rights which God has given to every other free citizen of this republic. Do you think maybe what he saw um, way back in his early years, he was remembering in this moment? He did what he said he was going to do in a profound way. Then he says, Admiral Porter asked the Negroes to withdraw and let the president pass on. Yes, Massa, said the old man. Excuse us, sir. We mean no disrespect to Mass Lincoln. We, we mean all love and gratitude. And there, joining hands together in a ring, the Negroes sang the melodious voices Oh, all ye people, clap your hands, and with triumph voices sing. No force the mighty power withstands of God, the universal king. It's amazing. There's so much more in here. Um, Do we realize the price that Jesus paid for our freedom? If we think about that, think about the Negro slaves and their celebration was so, so much rejoicing, so exuberant, so amazing, here, free at last, right? But we think about what Jesus did for us. Do we realize the celebration that we should have in our hearts, that we are not in bondage anymore, that we have been set free of our sin? We are slaves no longer. We are free men. We have the liberty and the freedom because of what Jesus did for us. There's such a correlation in here. And many people say that what Christ did to save the world, Abraham Lincoln did to save America. And there was no other greater man besides Christ than Abraham Lincoln. I mean, just the correlation in this book, you know, it goes through the whole book talking about that. This is how a man, our president of the United States, lived a life of love. Lived and love doesn't always look like love, does it? It means we might have to fight a battle because we are worth it. They are worth it. You know, he laid down his life for us. 
The interesting thing, and this is no cost to this, this is free, but I thought I have to read this to you because it is just so good. Um, It says, One evening during the Holy Week, Ward Hill Lehman visited Mr. and Mrs. Lincoln in the White House. The president was in a melancholy calling meditative mood and had been silent for some time when Mrs. Lincoln inquired as to his want of spirit. In slow and serious tones, he said, excuse me, it seems strange how there in the Bible, um, there is in the Bible about dreams. This is President Lincoln talking here. There are, I think, some 16 chapters in the Old Testament and four in the New in which dreams are mentioned. And there are many other passages scattered throughout the book which refer to visions. If we believe the Bible, we must accept that the fact that in the old days, God and his angels came to men in their sleep and made themselves known in dreams. Well, Abraham Lincoln had a dream. And this is very interesting. And he's telling his, his wife about this. He says, at ten, about 10 days ago, I retired very late. I had been up waiting for important dispatches from the front. I could not have been long in bed when I fell into a slumber, for I was weary. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. There the silence was broken by the same pitiful sobbing, but the mourners were invisible. I went from room to room. No living person was in sight, but the same mournful sounds of distress met me as I passed along. It was light in all the rooms. Every object was familiar to me, but where were all the people who were grieving as if their hearts would break? I was puzzled and alarmed. What could be the meaning of this? I kept on until I arrived in the east room, which I entered. There I met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people, some gazing mournfully at the corpse, whose face was covered, others weeping pitifully. Who is dead in the White House? I answered, excuse me, I demanded, not I answered, I demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Then came a loud burst of grief from the crowd, which awoke me from my dream. I slept no more that night, and although it was only a dream, I've been strangely annoyed by it ever since. Isn't it interesting that God revealed that to Abraham Lincoln before he was assassinated? Because this wasn't long before. Interesting how God speaks to us. And I believe that could only happen because of that relationship that he had with the Lord. You know, God speaks to us in all kinds of ways. But we have to be hearing how he speaks to us. We have to be willing to hear and to know. And as we dream, to know that when they're the Lord and how he's speaking to us. And for whatever reason, God gave Abraham Lincoln this dream, maybe to prepare his wife, maybe to prepare him for that moment. You know, But God was there with him every step of the way, even in death, speaking to him. I'm almost finished here. 
It's April 14th, 1865. It was Palm Sunday. They were celebrating the war was over. Okay, think about the atmosphere. They had been set free. The slaves had been set free. It was a celebration like no other um, Palm Sunday. They were getting ready for Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And that night, President Lincoln was assassinated. The dream that he had came true. Interesting. But his purpose was finished. He had done what he was called to do. He had fulfilled the purpose that God had given him to fulfill. And God took him home. And you know, they, that Easter Sunday, they were celebrating the resurrection. But in reality, it was Abraham Lincoln's resurrection. There's such a example of Christ in this whole message from his life. But the resurrection of our son, our savior, our Um, the one that rescued us from the grave, rescued us from sin. Here is Abraham Lincoln is that example of that resurrection. And they're honoring that. says, what an impact Abraham Lincoln made on the world. He had fulfilled the purpose that he was called to do. You know, people knew him as Honest Abe ever since he was a young boy. People had watched his career, watched him become president, watched him have the most difficult thing any president would have to deal with, watched him love God and serve God. And he lived that life of um, kindness and love and gentleness and yet firmness when he had to, speaking the truth in love, doing what he had to do, what was right in God's eyes and for this country. He had the courage to pursue freedom for the slaves. He did, did what he knew was he had to do. He couldn't be silent. He, he was courageous. And yet he lived that life of love, having that personal relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we don't know how we can love in this world that we live in. How do we live in a world where there's so much chaos and everything going on around us? How do we do that? I believe Abraham Lincoln was that example of how we do that. We live a life of love. We do what God puts in front of us to do. Abraham Lincoln, I'm sure when he was being raised as a kid, he never dreamt that he would be the president of the United States someday. Doesn't say that he didn't have that dream. But I imagine as a boy, he probably didn't. But he just did the next right thing the next thing that was in front of him to do. And he made a significant difference and impacted many, many people all over the world and for generations to follow. That's pretty significant. But where we live in our day-to-day, who have we touched? Who have we stopped and visited at the grocery store that we may have just spoken that right word that was just exactly what they needed to hear? Maybe you've been that recipient for somebody else where, you know, somebody says something to you and how do they know I needed that so much? We can be that for somebody else. We can make an impact in their lives. And honestly, it is just letting Jesus love other people through you. 
That's what Abraham Lincoln did. He went before that soldier as Jesus set him free. Making an impact in his life because that soldier's life was valuable. Every single one of your lives is valuable. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you're at in life. Jesus set you free from all of that. He has a purpose and a plan right where you're at. And he is using you to fulfill his plan for your life. The benefit of other people. So I think of um, how do we live in this world? We just do what Jesus would do. WWJD, what would Jesus do? We've talked about this in, this ch- in the church in previous years. And whatever that is, living a life of love is that. And through our daily steps that we take, we can make a significant impact in other people's lives. Can we stand? And as we stand, um, I just want to read 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, 13, verse 4 again, to think about this. Love is patient. How do we live a life of love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for for you speaking to us today. And I just um, ask right now if there's anybody in here that realizes that you have that purpose and plan for their life and they need to grab hold of that with both hands and both feet. They need to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior and not just know about you. Maybe they've been raised right, not just know about you, but actually know in their heart that they're saved and that can happen today. Maybe there's some here today that they recognize that they have not been living that life of love. And they want to repent. They have not been patient and kind at times. They have dishonored people. They have been angered. Or they have kept a record. Whatever it has been for them, and they want to repent, I just believe that there are people here that if that is you, if that is God speaking to your heart right now, he wants you to repent. And what that means is to surrender all of those things to the Lord. Surrender all that anger, that bitterness, that whatever is inside of you, surrender that to the Lord so that you can live that life of love. And surrendering that what you're doing, whether you're surrendering your life right now or surrendering um, how you've lived your life, is to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And Lord, I would just pray right now that as you are speaking to hearts right now, 
you are revealing that you see them. You see that their life is valuable, that you have placed before them open doors of purpose and destiny, and they're walking through those doors today. And if God is speaking to anybody right now about anything that they're being, their heart is being prompted right now, I just ask that you would just come forward because I want to pray for you this morning. If you're saying, God, I want a heart that yearns for you, like Abraham Lincoln, like in this book, he yearned after God. He, he sought God. He lived that life of love. And if that is you, if you're saying that, you're surrendering that, then I want you to come forward so that I can pray for you as well. So if God is speaking to you about any of this, come on forward. Maybe you feel like your life doesn't count. It hasn't mattered. You feel insignificant because you're not an Abraham Lincoln or you're not somebody else that's making a significant impact. Maybe that's you. But God is saying to you today that I see you. I see everything about you. You matter to me. You are significant because I am in you and you are in me. And I want to love other people through you. And that is significant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if you want to just take that step of faith and say, God, I... I am yours. I want to draw closer to you because I recognize that you've got a bigger purpose than I ever thought. And I am accepting that. Whatever whatever that means, I'm accepting that. I'm surrendering my will to your will right now. And if that's you, if God is speaking to you about that, then take that step of faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.